There we go. All right, let's see if we can get this thing going here. Tax the rich, feed the poor, tell We get kicked off into our two hours of trying to change the world. Exactly what we do there, trying to fulfill Mr. Alvin Lee's wildest dreams here at the Radio Ranch. And it is the Roger Sales two hours with the group here, the Freedom Lovers. And uh, wherever you may be, whether you're listening live, whether you're involved with us here on the Jitsi platform, whether you're listening on CastBox, the archive at some later date, we're really glad to have you along. Uh, today's the Thursday edition, and a date stamp 2322. One, one day off. I even had to call my mama yesterday and uh, said, you know, old dad's favorite saying was, 22 is my favorite number and i said boy he's got to be smiling today four twos so uh she got a she got a nice charge out of that and uh i always uh, i was very fortunate i had a really fine dad and uh he's uh, he was alcoholic but he wasn't a real drunk bad mean alcoholic he was a happy drunk kind of i think they call him and uh but those uh, last 17 years of his life in aa uh, gave me the father that I really had never had before and uh, got uh, wonderful memories of those days and the relationship and how our uh, relationship grew in a positive way and uh, I think that maybe he's probably real pleased with what we've been able to accomplish here and so anyway that's what we try and do is reach out to you folks that are looking for answers looking for freedom looking for sanity and i think we've got a modicum of all of that maybe even more than a modicum it'll have to let you be the judge of that and we try and proffer it so that uh, we become stronger in numbers and uh, uh, did I, I know i know jeff did i don't know if any of you other folks are coming in with us here on the on the show listen to andy hitchcock the hour before us uh and i hope you do and i would encourage you to dial into andy and dial up the network an hour earlier if you're not doing it and you're able uh simply because it's uh, his shows are very good he has real good variety of guests and quite a uh quite a potpourri of different subjects and whatnot but peter uh, Peter from South Africa. Um, what's his last name, Jeff? Peter, I can't, it escapes me at the second. Hammond. Hammond, that's right. Peter Hammond. Uh, just a really, really top-notch, top-drawer kind of guy. Uh, missionary down there for 40 years or more. And uh, obviously he's got an awful lot of insight. Uh, and he was on there this morning as I guess he's uh, he, he schedules him on Thursdays, right? Uh, Jeff, he has Malithicus uh, on Mondays and calls that the Limeys, and I heard him refer to today's show with Peter as the Limeys, too, so he must have Limeys 1 and Limeys 2. But uh, anyway, Peter today, if you didn't hear it, was going over uh, uh, Solzhenitsyn and his writings and some of his conclusions. I was a little shocked at some of the information in there as uh, a possibly others were too uh, i had no idea solzhenitsyn was a communist and an atheist during the war uh he was uh, some sort of a, 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 a unit 
commander or something of a uh, artillery uh, brigade, whatever, however they want to categorize that. Uh, and it was when he saw the atrocities uh, and knew it was internal directives from some Jew in the Russian army on all of the atrocities for the German civilians and the raping and all the murders and all the atrocities. And, uh, atrocities is a mild word for what they did, really. Uh, and that was what kind of turned him, evidently. And he wrote a letter to somebody and uh, when he was still active. And evidently the internal uh, people even caught a reference, just a one-word reference to uh, Stalin. And threw him in the gulag. And that's where he changed. Uh, so very interesting story. I had no idea. Did you know about that background, Jeff, on Mr. Solzhenitsyn? I had heard Peter Hammond discuss that before also. Yes, it was a personal letter to a friend, and that somehow got out. And just a reference in some kind of derogatory reference. And that was a a term, a slang term that referred to Talmudic influence. But he also referred to Stalin as the mustachioed one. (laughs) So... So yeah, interesting that got him thrown in the slam, um, and and uh, that caused his conversion. And of course, he's probably, without a doubt, the most prolific and influential uh, Russian writer of the last century. Uh, I've read a little of his books. I think we've got some um, not official translations into English, but some that have been translated. The one, the latest one, I remember somebody, Barnes Review did it, I believe, or they sponsored it, was uh, his 200 Years Together. Uh, And of course, uh, Gulag Archipelago and some of the other stuff. There's only, he said, one, uh, only one of his books was available in Russia. I think maybe Putin's changed that. Um, So anyway, very interesting. What I did get out of there, though, was... uh, uh, that he said you got to confront the lies and part of today's talk with Peter and if you da- didn't hear it you can go back and get it on I think ACHshows.com isn't that a website where he's got all those posted well his full name.com gets you to it okay well uh, and, and he's got so many so many names and sites and stuff it's hard for me to keep up with it but I know you can yeah, find Murr it knows, Murr knows exact terminology don't mm-hmm. you Murr Okay. Well, uh, so uh, anyway, you can go over there and get that. And I thought that his uh, solution to this is just confront the lies. You can't let the lies go on. It's the lies that proffer their agenda. And, you you, you know, it goes back to Revelation 2, 9 and 3, 9. And Jesus saying, the synagogue is Satan, the Jews that say they are not Jews and are not. And they lie. One of those verses said they lie. Uh, do they lie? Hell, I don't think is another couple of places, at least one in the Old New Testament where he said, the truth isn't in you and uh, that's the same thing it's the same bunch we're dealing with the same crap uh, a lot more sophisticated obviously a lot more uh, little tricks and turns and twists that they've got available that they didn't have back then but the basics are still the same is exactly what's going on roger there's a website um for alexander schlesenitsen and that letter is on that website live not by lies and he wrote that letter right before the Soviet Union expelled him, and he went to Europe. Well, quite a guy, old, old Andy Solzhenitsyn, and uh, tap hats off to him for all of his good work. Uh, Nastasha, you got uh, you got that Russian kind of name. That's a traditionally kind of a Russian name, and uh, 
we're glad to have you. Thank you. My great-grandparents on my mother's side left the Ukraine right before the war. They went to Bukovich, Austria. The the first war, the Russian Revolution or whatever. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Yes, I had some very dear Ukrainian friends in Argentina. There's a large contingent of Ukrainians down there, uh, and most of them uh, hang out in the northeastern part of Argentina, which is unbearably hot uh, and uh, very not a lot of shade, and up there very humid and close to uh, Iglesia, Iglesia Falls, however they say it. He got I got Sue, uh, some of the world's biggest falls. I never did get up there, but a lot of people did. It's hot, humid, with huge mosquitoes, and uh, I'm sure the falls are lovely. But I didn't want to put up with any of that to go up there and see that. Uh, but anyway, there's uh, uh, there's a lot of different European ethnicities in Argentina. Um, they've even got, as I think I've mentioned before, probably it's been a while. They've got a town outside of Buenos Aires that's all French. And they've got a wall around it. I don't know the name of it. I just heard about it. But everything inside the wall is like France. They speak the French language. It's got all the French uh, uh, culture, everything right inside the wall. And, uh, uh, and then there's another town uh, down further south in Argentina that's Welch. And they still speak Welch, even in Argentina. Uh, they've got this huge uh, conglomerate of Ukrainians up in the northwest. Northeast, excuse me, and uh, then out west where I was, was a huge contingent of not only Spaniards, but even more so Italians. And uh, in fact, the little town that I lived in, San Rafael, uh, there was a uh, park outside a town that was all dedicated to Rome. I had a little mini coliseum in there and all these different Roman uh, artifacts and symbols. And the reason that they celebrate uh, Rome and the Italians is they're heavily Italian populated, but because they brought the grapes. And the grapes is what has made them uh, one of the great wine regions of the world down there. And uh, so there's a lot of a lot of interesting European heritage there in Argentina. Um, but anyway, I thought that Solzhenitsyn's uh, um, remedy here of confronting the lie was just really spot on. You know, that's what we, and that, of course, that's what we do. We, 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 we're the ultimate lie confronters here because we're speaking truth to power. You're not just uh, confronting their lies and trying to contradict them. We're going up to the head lie that they use and have used to create everything and uh, speaking truth to power and that's why it's just like he was saying that's the ultimate answer here and that's the conclusion I came to many years ago in understanding this that we've got the ultimate answer here uh, we've just got to get it proffered and find the people you know I wish I knew a percentage but if there was some let's say if there's a hundred people and you throw this information out into a group of a hundred people how many people are going to respond and follow through and I, don't, I have no idea on the percentages of that but it's quite interesting and it's too bad that there's not a hundred percent follow-through or we probably could have taken care of this problem already but they in their uh, infinite uh, trickery and deception and being able to read ahead in what they're doing uh, know it's just like this fellow the other night on that call I was on on Tuesday night that we discussed a little bit yesterday um, this guy in, out in Utah, Bill, was an older guy, and he said, well, everybody's so scared. And the reason that they've 
really hammered you with all of that fright and fear and that authority when you've given them permission to do so and you got to realize that you've given them the permission to do that and you shouldn't let that interfere with your quest for freedom but obviously it does with a lot of people the conditioning is so deep and so great so uh anyway that's uh, what we continue to do is try and uh put put the word out and get the uh, intellectual side of this out with explanations like we did yesterday with Pastor Eli and answering all those questions and the more of that information you get in your mind the more you can dissipate that fear and uh, and when you dissipate fear you replace it with courage and confidence and that's that empowering process that I keep referring to here so often. Um, It's very unusual for me to do a show where I get as many positive email responses as I got from yesterday's okay um I didn't mean copious wasn't 20 or 30 but there were several emails and people that got a hold of me even just as soon as I had got off the program there was emails waiting for me going this is a really really good program and thank you so much and you really helped me understand and this that and the other so uh what I we should keep that and of course it's on that special date 2222 uh so if any of you as we go forward and you get new people and they're looking for uh answers I thought Eli did a very very good job of laying out his questions uh, in a you know methodical, organized manner, and I thought we covered them pretty well. And uh, and uh, evidently that is a, a good training session for people that are getting into this or just having all those those same type of questions because even though they may not always be the same most of the questions are generally the same you know will it affect social security what about driving what about taxes etc so uh, anyway that's about the things i wanted to cover here this morning as we get started uh and i'd like to hear your thoughts on on yesterday's show or anything else has happened or possibly what you gleaned out of it or if you've got any additional questions or comments and we'll just get the old uh social intercourse show started here roger maybe it's time for a moderator announcement that you're not when someone raises their hand in the chat or on the board you're not likely to notice i I can't see it you know i mean i'm sorry i just can't see it Uh, you work on a portable i got bad eyesight if you want to this is like you know the the big family the nine or ten person family Mm -hmm. when the plate goes around at dinner you you got to reach out there and get what you want off the plate you're gonna have to stick your foot out and say roger can i get can i ask a question or i got a comment or hi or uh whatever however you want to entree with us but you're gonna have to step forward and not just throw your hand up because i just can't see it so hello yes hello there's see there's somebody that took us up on that right there hello how are you absolutely uh, great roger my name's dan i'm from pittsburgh and hi I dan praise praise god for your broadcast uh, thank you i've been listening for a long time and you have been very responsive to my emails and i'm very thankful for that um i am a baby crawling in a diaper while you're a man sprinting on a racetrack <laughs> so if you could please have uh mercy on me i will thanks thank you <laughs> we know um, we were we were all at that so the stage we're all at you're we were all been where you are because all okay. of us go through the same kind of progression and growth here dan and i appreciate you stepping forward and giving us that information and we're here to help folks just like you and get you out of swaddling clothes okay now i found you on thumper's show so that's how i okay. learned about you 
and uh you know so then i tuned over to euro folk and i i've been listening and, and yesterday was great with all the questions and then i go to weiss in paris and i watch some videos and youtube will bump you to another video and so yesterday i was bumped to golding and golding international um and he's talking about uh taxation on non-resident aliens and then that prompted me to go to the irs website and irs website has a page taxation of non-resident aliens and it talks about filing requirements for non-resident aliens and then there's a sentence that says <clears throat> it's called fdap fdap income is passive income such as interest dividends rents or royalties this income is taxed at a flat 30% rate unless a tax treaty specifies a lower rate. And above there is a sentence, non-resident aliens are generally subject to U.S. income tax only on their U.S. source income. So I'm concerned that if I'm a non-resident alien, 30% would throw me into a higher tax bracket and and I it was my understanding that the whole thing of the non-resident alien is to get away from the tax. Well, it is, and you can read right. No matter what they say in the rest of their gobbledygook, there and they're real good about muddy in the water as best they can. Their jurisdictional statement at one point one one a states quite frankly that there's only two sections of the code that you're responsible for is that status and one is 871b and the other is 877b and i think what they're referring to and what you're talking about are like the uh income on 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 union pacific railroad bonds which was the subject of Brushhaber versus union pacific railroad Okay, and the reason that you owe a tax on that category is because those corporations that were given their life by the federal government, the federal government's their daddy. Okay, and so because of that relationship, when you purchase their bonds and maybe stocks too, and have an income off of that in the in the way of interest, that you do owe a tax on those. Now, that's just one of those two sections there, Dan. The other one is uh, a, a, a truly an expatriation tax. If there's somebody that is in that category and you wanted to exchange your citizenship for another country's citizenship there would there could be some taxable uh, activities in there and this area right here is not my expertise okay when you get into the minutia irs that's why i went the direction i did is to get away from all that crap because you can't understand it it's intentionally written for you not to understand and not to be clear okay so i try and go with the high points here and their jurisdictional statement i'll read it again You've probably heard me go over it, and you can find it yourself at 26 CFR, 26 Code of Federal Regulations, CFR, and the section is 1.1-1, small parentheses, small a. I'll repeat it, 1.1-1, parentheses, small a. That's on the first page of Title 26 of the CFR. When you open up the front cover, it should be right there on the top right if you're looking at a physical book. And it reads, this is their jurisdictional statement, an income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States and residents, there's our slave category, and to the extent of 871 and 877B, all non-resident alien individuals. Those are the only two sections of the code that that applies to. 
or else if it was others, they would have enumerated and others. It's just those two. Yes, Jeff. So there's non-resident alien, and then there's non-resident alien. That term is specifically for that 1.1-1A, and that's a state citizen. But that term used elsewhere... That has another meaning. Well, it's anywhere other than the Code of Federal of 26. As long as it's in 26, that's the definition that's applied. I don't know of anywhere else that they use it in the code to identify that status. Okay. Well, I want to make sure that Dan gets a good explanation that in that 1.1-1A, when it says non-resident alien, it's referring to the state citizen, not a foreigner, blah, blah, blah. Yes, correct. That's how they're using it. In fact, you can go back. Dan, I don't know if you've heard me. I'm going to make this connection for Jeff. Uh, Anytime there is a Supreme Court decision in the taxation area, they go to the Treasury Department and they write what's called a Treasury Decision. It's referred to as a TD. And they write and interpret the findings on whatever the Supreme Court has found on the tax issue so that they can appropriately apply it inside the Treasury, which is traditionally the taxing mechanism for the country. Okay? And if you go to Brushhaber, Brushhaber versus Union Pacific Railroad was the landmark. They call it a benchmark, uh, first impression, uh, several different uh, labels on cases that are the very first case when they hear an issue. And the Brushhaber versus Union Pacific Railroad was the first case on the newly not ratified, ratified 16th Amendment. Okay. Now, you won't find it in the case. I've never read the case. It's very long and very boring. Okay. And you're not going to get anything substantial in the way of understanding by spending your time going through it. But if you go onto the internet and read the synopsis, interestingly enough, you'll find that Frank Brushhaber's attorney brought up in court that Frank Brushhaber was a non-resident alien. Now, they did not rule on that in the decision, but it evidently was brought up in open court. So when the Brushhaber decision was decided and it was transferred over to the Treasury, think, and I get dyslexic here, Dan, it's either Treasury Decision 2314 or 2413, and I just can't remember which one it is, but I'm pretty sure it's one of those two. But it's the Treasury Decision, the TD, that was written off of the findings of Brushhaber. And in the very first sentence, I know I went to the Emory Law Library, and if you go to a, a law library in your area, a fed, what they call a federal depository, that's got all of these old books, cases, and things in it. Okay. Some of them may be on microfish, but a lot of the older, more prestigious ones actually have the documents. And Emory there in Atlanta was a federal, we had two federal depositories in Atlanta, Georgia State downtown with a lot of microfish and Emory with a lot of the documents. And so we'd go over to Emory and um, I uh, went and found the Book of Treasury Decisions and looked this one up specifically. It was signed by Secretary or Treasury Secretary McAdoo, a name that's you see quite a bit in old history of the country, McAdoo. And the very first line of that Treasury decision says Frank Brushhaber, a citizen of the state of New York, and a non resident alien. 
Okay. Now, the way they're using that, of course, is you're non-resident to the residency of the 14th Amendment, and you're a state citizen, as Jeff says, a national as we term it, and so your status is alien to that of the federal citizenship under the 14th Amendment, and that's how they're using it. Okay, And the fact that it's in that Treasury decision proves it. Um, uh, this is another reason that I really encourage people to work with the concepts here and not try and go in and do what you're doing is reading into their stuff and trying to extrapolate a, an answer because you're not going to get it correctly most of the time. They've gone to great lengths to hide this. Okay, I mean great lengths. All right. It's their tar, baby. It, it is. And uh, you're very rarely going to ever get any kind of an answer that satisfies you by going in and reading through their, as Woodrow Wilson says, antiquated and burdensome tax system. But go back to this. There's only two statuses. You're either free or you're a slave. Okay, There aren't any other ones. So the problem we've had, as I've said so often, I think, my analysis of our community here, our legal patriot community over 30 years for me, is you got all these people chasing labels. They don't look underneath at the concepts. There's only two statuses. That makes it real easy because it's either one or the other. Okay, So that 30% may be the percentage on those types of instruments that pay interest off of government okayed corporations or corporations that the federal government gave, li gave life to. But it's not all necessarily those because some corporations, of course, are given life by the state and the Secretary of State in the state. But these, when you consider railroads, they cross state lines, etc., that you can see where they'd go to the federal government to get their uh, corporate charter okayed and all that stuff. Does that answer your question? I can probably go into a little bit more detail. It it helps, I guess. The see that the I have rental property, so when it says um, FDAP income is passive income such as rents, you know, uh, it, it doesn't talk about the railroad. Well, uh, I would go if you want to go to some tax specialist, Paris or these guys, and ask them what's involved in eight seventy one and eight seventy seven B. Then you can get their quote unquote professional answer. I, to my knowledge, unless I, it doesn't matter if it's a rental income, I don't think that that applies to you in this status. That would be my answer to you. Okay. Yeah, I just, the mind is, is hard because I'm seeking non-resident alien status, and then they're telling me non-resident alien income that's U.S. sourced is taxed at 30 percent well u.s sourced would be corporations how about this that's corporations that the u.s gave life to they didn't give life to your rental property they gave life to union pacific railroad uh so uh okay so a rental property standalone is not sourced by the U.S. I, I, I would say it's not. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the show. Uh, thank you very much. Glad to have you in there. I wish I could be a little more pinpoint and definitive for you, but the reason that I went in this whole area that we're in right now is because of what you're going through right there, quite frankly.
Mm -hmm. Um, the best thing is to try and get this as simple as possible and, uh, uh, and put the little bastards on alert and notice, you know, file your affidavit with state and then turn around and put the IRS on notice that you'll pay all 871B and 877B taxes that you owe in the future. We've never had, had them come back. Hold on a second, Gary. We've never had them come back on anybody, to my knowledge, with the exception of Shane, uh, when we first started talking about this years ago. And Shane got hit with a $5,000 frivolous filing penalty, and I wrote them back a letter for him that I'm sure burned somebody's retina when they read it. And he's never heard from a Again, at least he's never uh, let us know that he has. And that's just, see, I know these guys well enough to know they got no defense now. And what they're doing is just being the usual thugs that they are. And the only thing they've got to try and beat you up with now is this $5,000 frivolous filing penalty. And uh, that's the only time they've done it because now we preempt that by saying in the cover letter at the top, this is not to be considered a filing or not a filing. Uh, and that takes the one little uh, offensive method they had away from them. They would never stand up in any kind of a court because you're not filing anything. You're giving them legal lawful notice. Okay. I'm, I, I, I'm, you know, my my knowledge, understanding, and experience. If you do this this way, sever the main connection, go back and put them on legal lawful notice. You won't have any problems with these guys. Because see, they've got here. You got either method. They're not going to come and come after you for failure to file, because then you can bring all this information into any court. Okay, and and they're not they're net they're never going to let this information in court if they can help it. We've seen that, all right. And the other is if they try and come and uh, do the civil process of seizing lien levy garnishment and seizure. Now, once they've grabbed the goods, now you can take them to court, and now you're on the offense with them. That's why I don't believe you'll ever see them mess with anybody that's gone through this unless they've got total control and they're just going to take the mask off, period. We're not there yet. I don't want to go to court, Roger. Oh, I don't blame you. That's what we're trying to do is keep everybody out of that situation. Okay? And that's the reason you're putting that, that, that paperwork on file with the Secretary of State. Because once it's in his possession, especially if it's in affidavit form, it can be brought into any court proceeding and it bypasses their rules of evidence, which is how they keep stuff like this out, out ordinarily. Okay? And because it's an affidavit form and because it's in his possession, you can bring it into any proceeding. That's why none of, these, none of us ever get drug into court. You know, I, have you heard the story about the one time we got an affidavit in court? Have you heard me no. go over that? All right. No. I had a student. He's an engineer up in Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. And uh, this is, gosh, years ago. And he went to Europe, uh, met a girl over there, got her pregnant, married her, brought her back. I think she was like from the Netherlands or something. Uh, he brought her back to Huntsville, and they had the child. The parents, that was the only grandchild, they came over to hang out in the U.S. And this was just in the time when the sovereign citizen movement was getting demonized so much. Okay, 
And so they, being foreigners and looking, watching TV and stuff, uh, think he is doing what we're doing here. He's following me. They consider him to be a sovereign citizen. And so they get a divorce, and this incident was over the child custody agreement because he had medical authority over the child, and he didn't want getting any vaccinations. Of course, they're exactly the opposite, wanting them to get all the vaccinations. So they, the wife and the family, bring the court case to reevaluate the child custody agreement and try and get them to force them to give this child these vaccines and these poisons. Not COVID, it's just regular poisons. Okay, And so because they are the moving party, they put my book, his affidavit, my name, and all kinds of stuff wrapped around this sovereign citizen stuff into their pleadings to try and demonize him. Because the affidavit was in the moving party's suit, it's now in the court record. So when he gets up on the stand... He reaches over and grabs the affidavit and starts reading it. And the judge says, don't read that document in this courtroom. That's the only time we ever know that's been in court. Okay. They don't want it in there because it exposes everything. So as for your trepidations on the IRS and this interpretation stuff, I I would tell you my personal opinion here is that you're you're never going to get any backlash on this. That's your money. That's your property. And and just like your your labor that bought the property, when you're seeing those rents come in from the fruits of your labor, they've got no claim on it. Then the other thought that came to me, I was out in the yard picking up dog crap yesterday, and I was thinking, okay, what if China invades the United States? And there's uh, Chinese, uh, you know, coming after me. If I'm not a U.S. citizen, does the U.S. Army have any uh, reason to defend me and my property? Well, you are a U.S. citizen. You're just not a federal U.S. citizen. You're a national U.S. citizen. You're a citizen of the United States of America and not a citizen of the United States under the 14th Amendment. Those are both U.S. citizens. One has a capital C in the original documents, and one has a small C under the 14th Amendment. Hey, Roger. Hey, Gary. What were you trying to say? I'm sorry. I forgot about you concentrating on Dan here. We need to clarify a term. Income is what yeah, that, Shaver got um, from I mean, the railroad. See, that's another income. sticky wicket here. The friggin' Supreme Court can't even agree on what the definition of income is. Yeah. Well, income from a rental property or employer or something is basically trade for your labor. And they fooled the American public into thinking it was income. And it's not. Income is money derived from investments. Correct. And then... Income is money that money makes. Exactly. It's not wages that you get for exchanging your labor. And Dan's exchanging his labor and time and effort in his rental properties. And basically, when you become a U.S. national, you're exchanging 
your quote income status because that only applies to u.s citizens federal citizens are the only ones that can be taxed in that manner with the exception of those two specific sections that are cited in their jurisdictional statement dan Right. And then there was another question asked about the military defendant, citizens or nationals. And in the current structure of our military, the answer is no. They have no duty to defend us. It's just like the police. The police have no duty to defend the public. Their duty there is to the corporations, and that's been ruled on. Uh, let me just throw in there, it's in the Constitution that we're not supposed to have a standing army, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Your standing army provide for the common defense. That's right. Your standing army in the United States is supposed to be. It it varies by state, but usually it's anybody from twenty to like sixty or forty or something. I don't remember. That's your standing militia. That's then supposed to be term militia. So. There you go. I'm going to go back to finishing okay. breakfast. All right. You're down there at Kalispell's famous little, little local get-together place having eggs or something. Now we're at Bojangles. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I thought that was one of those little little small-town restaurants. Okay, Gary, thank you very much. Uh, appreciate that input. Dan, did that help you out at all or just muddy the water further for you? Well, I think you're right. Muddy to water. You mentioned capital C and small c, so that's uh, something i got to look at. Well, I mean, go back to the Declaration of Independence. We're endowed with uh, capital R rights. We owe capital D duties with, from capital G creator uh, and, and all those capitals in there. And you go down and look at citizen of the United States under the 14th Amendment, it's small c. Okay, and now you won't get the reason is because you get civil rights from the federal government. And you're not getting God-given rights from God. Those were stolen from you at birth here. Let me see if I can give you this comparison here. And you can either draw it out if you've got a piece of paper, and you can probably do it on the back of your forehead. Okay, What I'd like for you to do is draw two vertical lines, top to bottom, parallel next to each other. And on one, we're going to go over this state citizen thing. And according to the founding documents, we receive our uh, our rights and uh, unalienable or, uh, uh, you know, there's two ways people look at this, unalienable or unalienable. One means you can't give them away and the other means you can't take them away. You can give them away. Okay. That's the fallacy there because you can't, they can't impair your ability to contract. And if you do that voluntarily, well, you did it voluntarily, didn't you? Okay. So on the left hand side, we're going to go over the state citizen and that identity, that status, you receive those capital R rights, unalienable, from the capital C creator. And so there's God at the top. And then when you got those rights, you were a state citizen in the second position. And if you were a citizen of the state, you were automatically a citizen of the nation. We'll call it a citizen of the United States of America. So the order from top to bottom is God, state, nation. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, after the 14th Amendment on the other line, they got their status from the federal government and not from God. 
So the federal government replaced God under the 14th Amendment. And they give you a national citizenship first, a federal citizenship called a citizen of the United States. And the third position is a state citizen, but only if you reside within it. So do you see what they did? They flipped everything. God's out. God's out. See, and now you go back to if you receive the benefit, you owe the duty. Or if you protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection, however you want to put it. Well, the state citizen, he gets his protection from God. And so that's to who you owe your allegiance. And the federal citizen, you get your status from the federal government. And that's why you owe them the allegiance, such as paying all these absorbent, antiquated, and burdensome taxes. Getting the jab. Whatever else they want to do to you, because now they've got a property right in you. Now, this is also very interesting. Under the great heading of rights, there's two subdivisions. I just remembered this a while back from John's teachings. It just flashed into my mind one day. And there, the two subdivisions under rights are civil rights, the rights you have in interacting with the other people in the society and the community. And political rights, your ability to run for office and vote and all that kind of stuff. But the 14th Amendment doesn't give you any political rights. They only give you civil rights. And that's why they call voting a franchise. Because they have to give you a franchise for you to participate in the sham proceedings called the federal government and the operation of it in bankruptcy. Now, they knew this back in the middle of the 1800s. This is how, when you start looking at this in a perspective and a timeline, you can see that they had this thing all planned out before the Civil War. Okay? Because they knew they were going to control the country like this 100 years later and threw at the world. They had this thing all sculled out in the 1850s at some point. That's sobering to me. Uh, Roger, um, uh, my name's Nicole, and I just want to say thank you so much. Um, I'm a millennial, as people would say, but I've been praying for the government since 2013. Also, Rama um, Bible Church has been praying for the government, and this is not by accident, but my, Nastasha actually spoke, <laughs> this is so funny, um, our friend is having a baby and we've been i actually was telling her a change your civil status if it's possible before you have that baby do not give a birth certificate uh, because god kept bringing this up to me through famguardian.org through a video oh, yeah. of a certain um a gentleman um i don't quite remember his name I, I think it's Derek prince but i could be wrong um and so we had a meeting with kirk dubas um He's a pastor at Rima Bible Church, and they are in um, 50 different countries and more than that, actually. And um, I've been a part of them for about six years. But my our friend Daniel, um, we're, we're out here uh, in California, um, you know, it's Nastasha. And our friend Daniel actually is in the middle of changing his civil status also. Good. So I just want to thank you so much for what you're doing, and um, God has your back, and uh, let me just say Acts 5.39 that that it says that these people will find themselves fighting against God himself. So I just want to encourage you um, with that scripture. But I am just a, a baby also in all of this. Um, but um, 
I was listening to Nastasha, and she was saying to read your book first. So that's pretty much where I'm at right now because okay. uh, I was at famguardian.org. It's a bit overwhelming, and there's much information. Um, uh, Josh yeah. Joshua Wallbuilder is a good friend of ours. Uh, has been for years. A guy that has that site, and uh, he is more reading oriented and writing oriented. I'm more speaking oriented and um but he does great work he's got some good information over there without a doubt um i don't think uh if your if your friend is going to have the you try and get it without a birth certificate if you're having if she's going to have a baby in the hospital you're gonna have a real hard time doing that but let me just let you since you're a babe in the woods here the birth certificate is not the nexus to the system it represents the nexus. Have you heard us talk about Nicole? And this is relatively recent, and it happened within the last six or eight months. Uh, the story out of England, have you heard us talk about that, with the lady that had the baby over there? I, I have not, but I can research it myself. Okay. Well, I've got a link to it. It was over on Summit News. Uh, John Paul Watson, or whatever his name is, it works with Alex Jones, is on his website. I was actually going to ask you about that, too, if Alex knew about this. No, he doesn't. I wish he could. I've been trying to get the information to him for 11 years, and I've never been successful. I've heard. Well, thank you, God, in Jesus' name, that that information gets to him. I well, uh, you know, I've heard listeners call in to his show. Even one of them go to the links of spelling my last name, and he just dispels it, you know, with his bluster and stuff. And he, he doesn't sit there and think about it. And this was years ago, and I think yeah, Alex has matured a bit. And certainly we're trying to get on platforms like Alex now. And that's the kind of audience we need. We can get a couple of appearances on a Jeff Rents, and Alex Jones, a Mike Adams, a True News, uh, oh, Lord, Joe Rogan. Huh. If we could get one appearance on Joe Rogan, uh, we'd bring these guys to their knees, okay? Because they well, can't stand this exposure. Yes. You get, get, you, know, you get on Joe Rogan. All things are possible. Well, I don't doubt I, that. I you know, do I, you know Lee Dundas? Have you heard of Lee Dundas? Uh, the name kind of wants... Civil, right, okay. civil rights, a human attorney. No, I'm not I'm familiar with her. I'm in contact with her, and maybe we can. She wants to know about this. Well, if you if it's somebody like that, and I'll be more than happy. Please get her on the show here, or if you want, we can do a private thing on the side if her schedule is too demanding or whatever. Yes. Yes. Maybe it's time to repeat the story of the verification of facts in the hospital. Well, I'm going. I'm trying to get there. Okay. okay so uh, that's okay. That's okay. Thanks for bringing us back on track, Jeff. Okay. So uh, these are the things we found out, Nicole. This is Nicole, right? Yes. Thank okay. you. Okay. Yes. Uh, and Ken, if uh, he, when a the, one of my real good students named Brian Howard is the one that bird-dogged this up. These are the ways we really find answers to these very complex questions that they don't want to give us answers to. Okay, And Brian got hung up on this. Before, let, me get, let me go back to England, and then I'll pick this up. That's where I was going. Uh, this uh, story about six months ago, eight months ago, out of England, it was on Summit News. It was at their National Institute of Health. Okay. The mother has the child. They're now testing newborns for COVID, ridiculously enough. And they use that PCR test where they ram it up back there to that close to the blood brain, blood brain, blood brain barrier. And so the child, obviously, it's very painful. The child's screaming. Mom comes in and objects. 
And the nurse turns to the mom and says, you can't object. This baby's <gasps> our property. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Now, there's the verification of what we're teaching, that this is all done at birth when you come out of mom's birth canal where you're normally supposed to get God's spiritual rights infused in you. They throw this blanket over that separates you by assigning you a political status determined on where you're born. And that brings the feudal system in underneath because that's the only system of law in the history of the planet where that one particular attribute assigning a political status to you depending on where you're born, not who your parents are. And it brings in the whole feudal system and that's why the baby's property from birth. This is the beast system of revelation right here because it's operable in every country as that example just told you. Okay. Yeah. So, and uh, that, I've got that story. I've got links to the story if you want it, okay? So, you. Uh, you can show it to your attorney friend because this is the nexus. It's not the sub social security number. It's not the birth certificate. All of these other things can represent that nexus and that connection, but they do not create it. It's created at birth. Now, this is something that I've figured out. Nobody, I don't believe, has ever figured out about these guys before, Nicole. They always put the hook at the very first. It doesn't matter. I can sit here and quote example after example to you. 14th Amendment, all persons born. There it is, first three words. Uh, the Nationality Act in 1940, where they set this whole thing up. Very first definition, a national owes total allegiance to a small less state. As definition number A, uh, the all the Code of Federal Regulations, their jurisdictional statements on the first page. They always put the hook at the first, and you can understand why they do it. Because you're sitting here looking at a big stack of some bill or something you're going to have to read through and try and find out what's going on. And they stick the hook right at the front. Well, you're never going to be looking for it right in the first page of the first sentence. So you're looking at the rest of you got to go through, oh, God, i got to go through here and read all this gobbledygook. And by the time you get to page two, they've already got you. Jeez. Well, these guys are really slick, okay? All right. So, Brian. I'm writing how, down what you're saying, yes. Okay. Well, you can always go back and get this off the archives, too, you know. So, Brian Howard is a very... Uh, a grow we hadn't seen Brian in a while. I think he got mad at me one day over some Social Security discussion we're having. Because he's still hung up on all these different things and not the main thing, which is reversing that assignment of political status from birth. Because it's fraud. Okay, They've got to reverse it when you recognize it and put their nose in it because it's fraud. And believe it or not, they do, they do recognize these kind of greater things in the background. You know, they got rules they got to follow. And uh, when it comes to this sort of thing, they follow them by and far the most part is my experience. All right. So Brian uh, has two daughters. They were both born. He was a four-year scholarship football player at University of Texas. Okay. And he's pretty fearless kind of guy. One of these in-your-face guys. Okay. And so Brian goes back uh, and he goes down to the hospital with his two little daughters in tow. And he's in cutoffs and flip-flops and a t-shirt and he's his his story is that he's building a folder for his daughters of all their important information uh from when they were young in case they need it later in life to access it easily pretty good cover story okay and so he goes up to the third floor of the administrative and he's asking the woman up there all these questions and she finally goes back in the back and comes out with this document called a verification of facts 
and it's all of the it's it's all the baby's uh, uh, initial birth information your weight your height eye color hair color all that stuff and there at the bottom there's places for the mother and the father to sign it and the one she showed him was not signed okay and so he continues to ask her and badger her a little bit and finally she gets fed up with it and says listen i'm going to send you down to the office in the basement which is in charge of all this oh okay great so he goes down he's got the daughters with him he's got the folders with him goes up to the counter uh the lady comes to the counter he tells her what he's looking for and she goes wait a minute and she goes off for about 10 minutes and when she returns the very first words out of her mouth are you're not going to use anything i tell you against us are you Oh, boy. Okay. And so she tells him the process. Here's the process. When the child is born in the delivery room, that document, verification of facts, is filled out. I guess it's got the little footprint and the little handprint and all that stuff on it. It's never signed by the parents. It's taken over when it's finished, and it's taken over to a computer terminal that the federal government puts in every hospital and birthing hospital in the country. And there, the verification of facts information is input into a very basic computer, evidently. And it's transferred over to the Bureau of Vital Statistics, where the birth certificate is generated. When the birth certificate is generated, it's taken and put into a bank safe with armed guards 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's transferred to bank, a bank, I'm sorry, can you a say that? A bank safe. Okay. Now, right. what is going on there? Okay. What's yeah. going on? Let's go back to the hospital. The reason that it's never signed is because unless the parents have some sort of a status change statement on file with the Secretary of State, they're under the presumption of law that they're in this voluntary servitude status. This is the feudal system, okay? So in the feudal system, this is a silent contract. It is a contract, but it's silent, and it runs generationally. Do you understand this part of this yet? I'm trying to. Okay. I'm, well, I'm, I'm all right. Now let's go back. This, this is great. You know, okay. Well, okay. Well, don't don't. Okay, well, may I suggest you go back and write it down on a second listen and just listen now and try and get your arms around this. Because this, yeah. is, this is the main moving parts and how they move and operate independently and how they operate together in the greater scheme. Okay? Yes. And it's critical that you have a conceptual knowledge and understanding of this. Okay? So the way that the feudal system worked and the reason that they like it is because you were property in that system. Someone had a property right in you. You know, when we say property, we're working on two levels here, Nicole. We're working on a conceptual level and we're working on a colloquial level. So if I say to you, Nicole, is that car out your garage, your property? And you go, yeah, we paid for it, you know, and we would understand that and it would be correct in that manner of speaking. But if we were in a courtroom and I said that it would be incorrect because the car is considered a thing and the property is your right in and to the thing. So property is more technically, legally a right. All right. 
So when in when I say that they have a property right in you, that's what I mean. It's hard, and I think this is one of the obstacles of our people that they have to get across mentally when they're presented with this information and don't know some of these fine points. You look at yourself in the mirror every day. You can't consider when you're seeing your reflection that you're a piece of property because you don't have the correct definition in your mind of property. You with me? Yes, yes, oh, wording. Okay. Well, you know, the trickery and deception of words. That's the title of my book. Okay. And so uh, at that point, the way they're bringing this in is in the feudal system, you had two different types of serfs. Villains are called, and the women were called knaves. Okay, so you had two different types. One was an involuntary servitude, which is very akin to black slaves in our country, that type of slavery. And the only way if you were in that uh, condition, the only way you could get out is if you were a bastard. Because if you were a bastard, there was always a chance you were sired by the lord of the manor. And that could get you out, and that was the only thing that could get you out. Death and running away, I guess. Okay. And so that wasn't as prevalent because then they had to go out constantly and get slaves, acquire them. They much preferred the other method where people would come to them and want to volunteer into the condition. And those are called voluntary serfs or involuntary servitude. And if you, that this is again, everything's got to be voluntary. Okay, and so let's just say hypothetically that, uh, you know, the economy was bad. You couldn't feed the family. Uh, The lord of the manor had a big plot of land out there. He's always looking for serfs, and you decided that was the way you were going to take care of and feed your family. So you'd go out, and you would go through a ceremony with him, and you can go look this up on the Internet, or you can go find it. Have you ever seen Monty Python's Holy Grail? A long time ago, yes. It's got an oath of fealty in the movie. Okay, so you can see them recreate this. You would go through this ceremony, which is a contract, all right? And the voluntary serf would kneel in front of the lord of the manor, and he would put his hands over his head as if he were praying. And the lord of the manor standing over him would put his hands over the serf's hands, and then the serf would give him this pledge. And you would pledge your body and your worldly goods to the lord of the manor so when you pledged your body you're pledging your body as property to him and you could all your worldly goods were then pledged to him because now as an object of someone's property rights because they have a property right in you you can't have property rights in other things so any of his worldly goods along with his body was pledged to the lord of the manor okay that's an important concept to understand, but we'll get into that more later, okay? And it was all the rest of the serfs, or at least some modicum of them, were surrounding this ceremony, which now makes it a contract. It was a contract. It was an oral contract called a parole contract in law, an oral contract with witnesses, okay? And now, because you were a piece of his property, or he had a property right in you, when you and mom had children, just like if you had cattle out in your backyard, and they had calves, the calves are yours too, okay? And that's what's going on. Anytime it is a generational, silent contract, and until the, the beauty of it is, 
it is a contract and it does run generationally but because maybe your great great grandfather is the one that entered into it down generations later if you want to volunteer out you can volunteer out but you got to go to the lord of the manor to do it that's why this works okay yes yes okay so it's a silent generational contract that's why the parents don't sign the verification mm-hmm. of facts because they're not getting the status from the parents and their bloodlines. They're getting it because their parents were presumed to be in this condition. They had you. Nobody said anything different. Mm-hmm. So the presumption of law is going to roll on. Mm-hmm. Okay. You with me? Yes. Makes total sense, doesn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as now that because now the condition is solidified, it was at birth. Now it's got this document, this verification facts where your parents didn't sign it. So that's even more presumption that this is the condition you're in. Now they ship it over here to the Bureau of Vital Statistics mm-hmm. and they generate this document. Now mm-hmm. we think, and I'm pretty sure this is correct, that that document serves two purposes. They do a lot of this called equivocation here, duality, if you will. You know, and here this document serving two purposes. One is it gives all the information of your birth, you know, how much you weighed, all that kind of stuff. Secondly, underneath, we believe, and I'm pretty sure that John is correct here, that that is acting as a commercial document. And this you may want to write down or go look up and, and educate yourself on called a warehouse receipt. See, this is why they like this merchant law, because it's got all these little things that they know very well with how to use them, how to misuse them, and we don't even understand what they are, okay? And yes. so this particular document is called a warehouse receipt. And if you go back to some of the early cases, and the, the one that John used to illustrate this was a case from the 1700s, and it dealt with a bale of cotton. Bales of cotton are not fungible, which means they're not all the same. They're different weights. They might have different wrappings. They might have different covers, all that kind of stuff. But when you got a bale of cotton in a warehouse, it's much easier to have that cotton represented by a piece of paper rather than haul the bale of cotton, which may be 60, 70, 100 pounds around with you. Okay. Yes. And so they write this document called a warehouse receipt. And when they write this document, the bale of cotton takes on a very shadowy existence and literally becomes the paper. Oh, my. Okay. So you see what the birth certificate is now? You see why yes. they put it in a bank yes. safe now? Oh, my. Okay. Now, that represents their property interest in you, and at that point, that is what we believe they attach to the bonds as collateral. Okay? The bond market is ten times bigger than the stock market. Bond is the root word of bondage. If you go back to Black's Law Dictionary and look under villain, it's spelled French, V-I-L-L-E-I-N, and pronounced, if it was pronounced like it's spelled, it would be called a villain. But we English-oriented folks call it a villain. And the reason that is, by the way, is because the 
feudal system was instituted in Europe. It was not in England. And when William the Conqueror came over in 1066 and conquered England, he brought the European common law with him, overlaid the Anglo-Saxon common law to make it the English common law, and now it included feudalism. See, feudalism was not in England before 1066. Okay? And that's why you get these French terms and stuff. Now, if you go into the law dictionary and you look under villain, villain, and there'll be a number of different types there. And what I believe the one that they're using is called a villain regardant. A villain regardant. And the definition of that in blacks is a villain attached to the land. There's your property and transferable by deed because now they've got this birth certificate mm -hmm. attached to the bonds and bonds circulate and change hands all over the international market jeez pretty slick huh mm -hmm. and this started in eight Roger? did you say 1800 something what we're talking about i think they came up with this idea if you look at a timeline of the Illuminati and and what we're dealing with, the the monsters we're dealing with today come out of a sect called Reformed Judaism. Okay, Reformed Judaism was started by the Rothschilds in 1837, right around the time Andrew Jackson nixed the Second Bank of the United States. And I think that this plan, the Illuminati, was founded on May the 1st of 1776. That's why we celebrate May Day all over the world Okay, today. And so they had 1776 up to 1835 to have some kind of an idea of what they were doing. But I believe when Andrew Jackson nixed that second bank of the United States is when they put this plan into high gear. And they came back and said, we're going to figure out something that these people ain't never going to get out of because they're never going to understand it. Mm -hmm. And so from 1837, mm -hmm. I believe that they worked on this and that they, the 13th and the 14th Amendment, which were, worked totally in tandem, I believe, my personal beliefs here, I don't know that we'll ever know, honestly, were probably written in the city of London and that they were the reason the Civil War was fought, was to get these amendments mm -hmm. in the Constitution so they could control the world with it 100 years later. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now you can go to yes. Yes. Uh, I'm, let me know when you're done. I have something. I, I took a okay. note. I got something valuable for you. Right okay. Now. Well, let's, let's let's cover it right now. I can get back to where we were, where we were. Oh, Roger. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, hi. This is Ellie. Hi, Ellie. Um, you know, you were talking about just hi, honey, bunny. Uh, we were talking about different platforms to get you out on. I have been, I, I, I think I have an idea here. I think it can blossom. Um, I have been a donor and a True News listener for seven years. Okay. Now, um, Rick Wiles is on fire right now. He wants to stick a pin in the balloon. Okay, he is all over. Canada, you know, of, you know, Trudeau and, right. and so forth, just, right. just really giving it to, you know, Trudeau, the coward 19, hiding in his basement. But if we all together collectively were to 
put together, you know, maybe somebody that's got good secretarial skills, <laughs> letter formatting, get together and jet out a bunch of emails to yes. Rick Wilds to get you on that platform. Uh, well, Why don't we collectively do that in Innovate? We can try and do that. We've tried to do it in the past and haven't done it good to this point. Okay, And uh, we've oh, never okay. had it. We could do it. We could do well, I mean, we did it with, with Mike. Possible. We've done it with Mike Adams. We've done it with Jeff Rentz. We've done it with a bunch of people. Let's do it again. Well, I'm not saying that we can't do it again. we got more people now, and people are looking for answers more now. That was maybe a year, year and a half ago mm-hmm. or so. I'm not objecting to it at all, Ellie. I will tell you, mm-hmm. Samuel. Samuel, you with us this morning? Samuel's not with us. Uh, Samuel, who's out there by you in Placerville, uh, he wrote a letter and got it to Rick Wiles within the last couple of weeks because it got through the girl that screens his emails. Okay, and then we've okay, got a guy. Hold on, hold on. Let me finish. We've got a guy down there named Bob who calls in here quite often, maybe listen, probably is today. And Bob lives down there close to Vero. Uh, True News is in Vero Beach, I think. And uh, uh, it was my impression that he was going to try and pop over there. He lives about an hour away and pop over there and see Rick. And that was what he kind of intimated to me on email. But I haven't heard any follow-up on that. So mm-hmm. I'm not against it at all. Mm-hmm. Rick Wiles and his platform would be a, a wonderful platform for this because the people that generally pick up on this the fastest are the ones with a spiritual gene and a spiritual connection it's the people that don't have that that generally don't see it or am ambivalent about it Can so say something please oh sure fire. yeah yeah please <laughs> okay thank you thank you create a letter send it to rick wiles and then cc all of us to john moore to Doug Hagman, to uh, Adams, to Rick Wiles, and to Rogan. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not opposed to that. So all, all these people. Uh, but, all these people got the God gene. See. Okay. See now. Here's what. This is my experience. When I try and approach people, hey, I've got the key to the matrix. Sure, kid. You know, uh, third-party endorsements are far more effective. Okay, and so it needs to be somebody like Samuel's letter or what you may want to draft or what else we could come up to of, hey, this guy's got Mm -hmm. something you really need to listen to. This is tried and proven it works. Mm -hmm. And then we can focus in and have other people follow up on him with an email. But I tried to send this to Edward Sal. Mm -hmm. Uh, I sent it to him numerous times. I mean, that's how I've gotten so frustrated. I don't do it anymore because I've never had any success at doing it. And I've tried it with everybody, okay? But I'm trying to understand why that happens. And and what I did, Ellie, um, years ago, was I had a a little uh, sit down with the big guy, you know. And I said, listen, you got to open the door here because I'm getting frustrated. I'm going to quit. And and so the arrangement that we are, the the contract that I proffered to him, (laughs) I guess he accepted. (laughs) Silence deems consent, right? I guess he accepted it was that I'll continue to do what I'm doing and get to understand this better and get to where I can explain it easier because it can be very complex, obviously. Um, and you, when the time is right, you open the door. And I know that's going to happen. I see it happening already since this COVID stuff started, you know, and our numbers have swollen, all right, and people are 
looking for answers now where before is like okay life's pretty good i don't need that aggravation right now you know and so i'm not object to any anything that you're talking about or and my feeling is really if we can get one of these guys that it'd be short order we'll have almost all of them okay and i'm concentrating more we, we got a real good inroads into mike adams right now okay uh thanks to gary getting me hooked up with Jim White out there who's got now got a show on Brighteon and I think he wants to have get a hold of John Moore also I don't John know anything Moore, I don't I'm sorry I've got well, I don't know anything I, about I John Moore is he's the is John Moore this guy that key is such a big so, Israel I, firster I'm, I'm I'm connected with John Moore personally okay, okay? he is connected to to add to Adam and to Hadman okay okay so this can happen. What we, you know, we'll leave you out because, you, you know, just like Moses, Moses just, well, you know, was overran by too much information, and, and he got his apostles out there and said, "Hey, take care of everything." Yep. Okay. Yep. So us as a plot, you know, us together, we need to get together. You, Roger, are the front man. Okay. We're going to get this together and get Lift this up his hands. puppy rolling. And I can get a hold of John. I can get a hold of John Moore. No okay. problemo. What, uh, uh, Alec, Can I jump in? Yeah, hold on just a second, Mark. Let me add something. Uh, I don't know anything about John Moore. I've heard his name. Is he this Israeli firster guy? He's the Liberty Man. Okay, well, I, all right, well, that's fine. I know that. I mean, is he one of these Israeli firsters? Yes, he is. Okay, well, that's going to well, that's going to be that. Well, it may be a problem, Ellie. That's all I'm saying. I had heard that he's an Israeli firster, and that's just uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 some more of their propaganda that people have bought into. Unfortunately, this is what I would suggest you do with Mister Moore: is send him, uh, and if I need to send him to you, I will again. Or is that first show I did with Tom D, and possibly the one with Deanna Spingola, because I think those are the two best initial mm -hmm. presentations to this information for somebody mm -hmm. and let them listen to it and see what they think you know okay well you know he might be a lot of things like all of us but he has a platform and if we can reach him doesn't matter if he's a martian if we can reach him then we can get in a little bit deeper maybe okay I mean, well I, look we i'm Ellen, I'm, I'm not object to it i'm just throwing up that flag and uh, and that can sometimes be a conflict, okay? But we'll see, all right? I know. Uh, so, yeah, throw it to him. If you need those two interviews, shoot me an email, and I'll, I'll shoot them back to you, and you want to forward them around. Okay, well, okay. that's great, and I appreciate See, this is where we work as a team, and this is where teams accomplish more than individuals. And we that's why, well, that's why this format and the way I do this whole thing is designed around that right there. Teams always accomplish more than individuals, period, no exceptions. Okay. Now, Mark, you were trying to stick your foot in there a second ago. Is this Mark from Philly or Mark from OK? Mark. Oh, Mark. That was Mark from OK that spoke up. This okay. is Mark in Philly there. right here. Okay. Hey. Hey, Mark. Yeah. No, John Moore and, and uh, the, the the whole coach, Dobbenire, and all, all these other folks, they are Christian Zions. 
Well, you know, and listen, there's a lot of fine Jews in this in this world, but they've had their eyes pulled over. We were mentioned in a minute ago about 1837 in this timeline. It was in that 1850s range that they went out and found this guy named Schofield. A, a real reprobate kind of individual, and they had him write yeah. that Bible, and that's the whole Christian Zionism thing is Schofield crap right there. And it goes back to John Darby. Yes, it does. Schofield was, yeah, this is Nastasha. Schofield was um, influenced by um, Darby. Darby wasn't even allowed in the U.S. Mm-hmm. with his Christian perspective. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that in, John yeah. Darby. So. If they, uh, you know, I mean, you can go back to currently what's happening in Israel today to prove for what we're talking about here. They don't. Ha- can they explain why Israel is the uh, highest vaccinated country in the world with four or five demanded boosters at this point? Why is that happening? Trying to attack God's people, probably. Well, because I think the reason is because it's those Jews, these other Jews, these satanic Sabbatean Zionist Jews hate those Jews. You know, the traditional schism mm-hmm. between the Orthodox and the Zionist bunch, you know. And the reason that I think they're doing that, it, they're not even going out and shooting up the Palestinians with this thing. Look what they've done to the Palestinians for 100 years, Okay. They're going after their own Jews in their own country. Why? Because those Jews, if they stand up and start pointing the finger at the Sabbateans, people listen to them because they're Jews. They got credibility. So they're trying to kill them. Okay, so there's evidence right there what I'm talking about in the schism here. Anyway, let's get back to Nicole. So, Nicole, you got all that about the birth certificate and all that stuff, right? Yes, actually, I'm texting my friend right now trying to convince her not to have the baby at the hospital. She's worried. Well, now so this is, I can tell you. On this call right now, I'm messaging her saying, I literally just told her what you said. I said, do not have the verification of facts signed. It will go to the Bureau of Vital Sales and Bank Safe. Statistics. Well, the good thing is, is, the, is she as the guardian to the parent, to the child, she can remove the child from the system. You know, that, one the one of the things immediately or how, how as far it happens real quick, okay. Uh, and uh, we've had some instances of this. I had a listener years ago. You know how parents try and tell their children this stuff, right? Children know everything, right? So they don't listen to them. What does dad know? You know. And so they were married. They had their first child and went to the hospital. Didn't listen. Had the birth certificate, all that stuff. By the time they had the second child, they'd woken up. So they went in and had the second child, and the way they got around getting a birth certificate issued was they didn't name the child. They kept saying, well, we hadn't come up with a name yet. We hadn't come up with a name yet. And so they actually got the child out of the hospital without a name. Okay, And then they got something in the mail, and the director of the hospital had applied for a birth certificate for it somehow. So you see what's, you know, you can understand what's going on here. The federal government pays them for every birth certificate. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So even if they have it in the hospital, the mother can, as the guardian, parent guardian, they can remove the child from the system. Now here's the, here's the caveat is 
you got to continue to teach that children and infuse these lessons in it so that when it gets 18 and has its own majority, it can go in and do it for itself and not go and revert back to being a slave. Yes. Okay. So once again, it goes back primarily to the parents and to the education. Now, the other thing is you might want to, if you, you want to suggest this to your friend, she may look around and try and find if there's a, a, a good midwife in the area and get a certificate of live birth. And also, uh, you can register that birth in a family Bible, and that is evidence in court. Okay, if you don't have a, a certificate, certificate of live birth, of, of live li birth, live birth, okay. 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 And you could all, if you can't find a Bible with that uh, pages for that entry of marriages and deaths and births and stuff in it, Brent Winters has included a page in his new winterized Bible because of that, for that. Okay, are you familiar with Brent yet? No, not yet. Okay, well, he's on with me every Friday. He'll be on tomorrow. He is a national treasure, okay? And his uh, website is commonlawyer.com. He's translated his own Bible. He's written, he's an expert on the common law. He's written a lot of books on legal stuff. He's just a hell of a guy, okay? Yes. Okay, so uh, there's that point in your friend in that direction if she wants to consider those things. And, of course, the nice thing about having the baby out of the hospital, they're not going to jab it with all these vaccines. Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's as strong a point as avoiding a birth certificate, really. It may be stronger. Because you can, you can overcome the birth certificate. You can't overcome when they're putting all those vaccines and poisons in them from birth. Yes. I, I just messaged everything you said just now to her. Okay. Well, you can always just send her the, you know, the show, and she can go back and listen to this, because I upload every one of these shows pretty quick after the show, and then it's up there over there on CastBox. we got three... Over three years' worth of shows sitting up there at this point. More than most people ever have time to listen to, really. So, Nicole, how else can we help you? Because we love new people around here. You guys are the lifeblood of what we're doing. And we love helping educate you and have you understand this so that you are comfortable with it. And that so you can do what you're doing is like talking to your friends. And the way that this spreads is that right there. And you will learn it by talking and helping teach others. You know, there's an old saying in teaching, if you want to learn something, teach it. And that's the way to learn this. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Um, well, I know I'm supposed to read the book first, right? Well, I mean, it's, a, it's always a very, uh, you know, that's great foundation. It's really a masterpiece book. It was an 80-page manuscript that I wrote, and my two teachers seeing the opportunity here, and uh, John was very sick, and at the end of his life at that stage, uh, basically said, we're going to write this, and we're going to hand the baton over to Roger. And that, that's what's happened. And it's a very powerful book. It changes people's lives. Yes. You can connect with me if you want. I'm good with that. So, uh, anyway, and then, uh, Nicole, you're in California, and we've got a number of good little groups that are starting out there. Uh, Don has started a group with Robert and a, and a couple other participants. Uh, John Caserab is going around and doing uh, eight, 
eight plus hour uh, seminars on the weekend and to different small groups. He, he wants to he, he likes to keep the groups small so that they're relatively intimate. And uh, we got a lot of these popping up out there support groups for folks like you and your friends. Yes, and uh, we have a brother Daniel. He's actually running for governor, and he was mentioning that he's actually going to. Um, I'll read the text so I don't get it wrong. He said, um, I read Roger's book, um, and then he said um, that I am in a slightly different boat with how, as a governor, I will reclassify the entire state while making it understandably easy for the people who are unaware, creating a revocation of election apparatus as a state has never been done. R-O-E. Well, it's interesting. I'm not sure how he would accomplish that because here's the, you've got to opt out with the Secretary of State of the United States. Do you understand why that's like that? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I'm going to explain it to you. It makes perfect logical sense. The Secretary of State of the United States has always, since the inception of the country, to my understanding and knowledge, been the primary person that's responsible for issuing passports. Now, a passport under Vattel's Law of Nations, which is a big body of law written in the 1700s that all countries of the world signed on to and adhere to to this day. Okay, And uh, he issues passports under this Vattel's Law of Nations representing you to other countries. So for your safe passage and non-harassment and all that kind of stuff. And so for him to be able to have that responsibility and issue you that document, he's got to know your political status or your legal personality. See, in the early parts of the days of the country, there was only one. There was just the state citizen. But when they created two, it even becomes more critical because what they're doing is they've shifted everything with this birth certificate and this fraud using a theory of law called a presumption of law. Okay? A presumption of law is a presumption of law that's based upon another fact. And so what they do is they pull these fraudulent facts and then they extrapolate a presumption of law based on the fraud. Okay, such as that there was a bankruptcy in March the 9th of 33. This system was waiting there in the wings. All they had to do was pull the switch, and now everybody is in servitude because it's through your taxes and your labor that you're going to satisfy the bankruptcy. So the presumption is that you're this status based on all this other fraud. Okay, and when you bring this to their attention to his attention specifically in the right manner they have to recognize it because fraud vitiates any contract from the beginning ab initio they call it and so that's why this is recognized all right now there's even even a more technical and a higher uh, reason for it but i'm not gonna confuse you you're getting enough thrown at you right now without bringing that into this okay but the reason they recognize this is because it exposes their fraud and even though they appear to be all powerful they're not they can't overcome that <laughs> if they could overcome it and they had all this power they wouldn't put it in a passport application that you can change statuses and volunteer out the reason they put it in there is because they have to. 
So that mm-hmm. tells you right there that even though we don't understand it totally, they have rules they have to follow. Mm-hmm. That's why they always have to tell us about a false flag before they pull it off. So he would have to opt out of uh, Secretary of State because they issue a passport. They're the ones that have got this ultimate control over what your political status is. And the way the system is set up under this presumption of law, the presumption is that you're in this status if you don't tell them otherwise. I mean, look, you were born. You have a birth certificate that represents you. That you're, you're born in this feudal system. You've never told them anything different. And here's the cream. here's their cream on the cake. Nicole, are you a citizen of the United States? No. As of now, yes. Okay. What I want is the answer is the way you've always answered it. Are you a citizen of the United States? Yes. yes. Are you a resident? Yes. And you mm-hmm. signed something. So now, to justify all this fraud, they've got you agreeing to it. Mm. So you've agreed with one of those questions that, yeah, it's okay if you assign me this status at birth and I'm in charge of helping to pay back the bankruptcy. And, yeah, B, uh, I give you the consent to govern me. So now they've got the consent of the governed, and you're the one that gave it to them. Out of ignorance. This is a, this is a very, very well thought out and slick put together plan. So you have to tell them, you have to inform them. So the baby, well, I don't want to say. Yeah, well, let's say, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. You, you have to withdraw your consent. Yes. Okay. And just exactly like the feudal system with the silent contract, you can volunteer out at any time and they can't stop you. And the reason they can't stop you is because what legal system you live under is your choice not theirs if it's them telling you nicole you're a citizen of the united states well then they're open and notorious tyrants Mm -hmm. however if they go to all this trouble and turn everything around and they ask you and you admit that you're under their control well hell nicole ought to know what she is shouldn't she Mm -hmm. oh it's insidious it really undresses these bastards to the absolute bone like nothing else I've ever come across. That's why they're so scared of it. They can't rebut it. They can't deny it. The only thing they can do is stand there and accept what you send them. And by not being able to rebut it or deny it, they convict themselves because silence deems consent. What are they actually asking when they ask you those two questions? Well, they're actually asking you, Nicole... When they ask you, are you a citizen of the United States, legally what they're asking you is, are you in the same political status as former Negro slaves after the Civil War that were assigned to federal citizenship with civil rights? And you answer yes, because you don't understand what they're asking you. Oh, my. The second question, are you a resident, What they're technically asking you is, are you a new federal citizen residing in a state and requesting permission or protection, excuse me, requesting protection from the federal government against any actions from your state on the new federal citizens? Mm -hmm. 
This goes back to the feudal system and this jurisdictional formula, protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. If you're asking them for protection, that means you want you give them your allegiance. What's your, what's your allegiance? Oh, paying income tax and following all the administrative law rules that are man-made, etc. So that, that's the way they've got this thing set up. And it's just, uh, well, it's just damn ugly, quite frankly. So uh, Nastasia was saying that you withdraw your consent to everyone, basically letting them know that you are changing your civil status. Okay. Right? Did you happen to catch yesterday's show? No, this okay. is my first show. Okay. Well, we love, we love first-timers, and we're tickled to death to have Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And as they say, we'll be gentle. All right. Uh, but I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to yesterday's program. We had Pastor Eli James. Who's a guy I've known for years, and who I've been working on for years. I did a, I did his show back in 2019 on this, and he's just now getting around to getting his paperwork filed. And he had some legitimate questions, and we spent the whole two hours yesterday on his questions, and we covered a lot of stuff you're going to want to expose yourself to. Okay. Okay. But what you're doing is, in one sentence, you're telling them. You can do it in a declaration or an affidavit form. Preferably it's an affidavit because it's just got a little more mustard on it, you know. And uh, it's the highest form of truth in law if it's done properly, all right. And you're telling them, hey, I, Nicole, do solemnly swear under the penalties of perjury of the laws of the United States of America, of America, not the United States, my intent and desire to be a national and not a citizen of the United States. That's all you got to tell them, and you're out. Now, we're lately have asking people or suggesting to people that you file that as what we call a naked or a cold affidavit with just a slight little cover letter, and you send it to the main uh, Secret uh, Secretary of State officer in D.C. Attention Administrative Records, and. Your cover letter says, please find the enclosed citizenship evidence. Please place this permanently and firmly in my administrative file. Okay. Now, that administrative file, which has to be kept on you and every other citizen by every administrative agency, and now that goes in there, and because they can't say no, it's your choice, they can't stop it. Okay. Then you follow up with that a short time later by sending it in with a passport application. And you don't have to buy the passport book unless you want to, but you can for $30, I believe, order a passport card. And now you've got government-issued ID that's attached to your declaration of status. I'm writing all this down, yes. Okay. Hey, Roger. Yes. Uh, there was a question in the chat. Are we still liable for local and state state taxes? Well, it depends on how much you want to press your position. All state taxes, the ones that I've ever been associated with, they use the federal 1040 to determine the numbers where you start filling out your state taxes. Isn't that correct? Wait, say that again? Your state income tax form uses the numbers off the federal income tax form to determine your liability. 
or you you file directly with the state well you're filing directly with the state but they want you to when you're filling out your form you pull the numbers you've entered off your federal 1040 form okay so if you don't have any Mm -hmm. taxable activity on the federal side why do you owe state taxes you don't have any numbers to bring over. See, now different jurisdiction. Would, and 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 besides, you'll find that all your state taxes are for residents. By the way, okay. Uh, now, when it comes mm-hmm. to property tax and stuff like that, you can you can pull your property off the property rolls, but you're going to have to do that. You know, and I can't help you do that. You know, I would suggest that you contact a gentleman by the name of Ron Gibson. And he's the expert on this out in Oregon. Uh, and But he's getting pretty elderly, and he's not in great health. So if you want to move, I wouldn't let too much grass grow under my feet there. There may, be, a, there may be other people, and I just don't know about them. That's not my, my ballot. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Is there anybody coming up? Well, I've, I've heard other names thrown around. I don't even remember them right now, but I'm sure Ron has handed his organization over to somebody else, but we didn't like what we heard about the way they were handling it. So I don't know the situation there. But um, uh, if somebody's got Ron, if, if Samuel was here today, he could put it in there. He must be working. Uh, but if somebody's got Ron Gibson's uh, phone numbers, he's got two books you can purchase, uh, and, and you might want to contact him and get those. He, he's going to suggest you read his books first. Sure. Uh, you can go back, trying to think what year it was, maybe two years ago, three years ago. Uh, it's 2019 or 2020, and go back – either in the i think it's around the first friday of february one of the last fridays in january or february because it was a friday because brent was on with us and i had ron gibson as a guest for two hours with brent and he goes over a lot of stuff in that program it's in the cast box archives and there's a the description says ron gibson's with us and it's on a friday if you want to go back and poke around and find that i just don't remember which year it was exactly it was one of those two okay thank you okay you're welcome who was that by the way i was speaking with uh dan from Pittsburgh. Oh, okay dan okay just don't recognize your voice yet but uh yeah you can get a hold of uh of ron and see what he says but he's been helping people do it for a long time you can put ron gibson probably in a search engine on youtube or maybe some of these others bit shoot or whatever and you'll probably find some of his lectures hey uh roger yeah hey chuck no he the, we were talking about it in the chat the other day it's uh most of his stuff has been taken down off the web i don't know because he used to have a lecture that's what i'd said before on here and was trying to find his his lecture that he had before i didn't i guess i never downloaded it but um and shame on me Uh, (laughs) he's on bit he's on bit somebody says and i can promise you if you can find jim white's uh, archives uh, Gary's buddy out there in Montana the uh, radio host he told me he's had Ron Gibson on his show about 30 times right right but he can't I when you go to look for him that he's the one who put him on uh, as the Northwest what is he Northwest something on something. YouTube yeah you can't but you can't find it on there anymore that's why I, I had messaged him 
or tried to message him on uh, YouTube. I never got an answer back. Yeah, reply why where what happened to it because it got taken down. So well, you know they don't take. You know what they do? I found out because my stuff is the same way. You can't access that Ed Snowden video, but it's in there. If you go to PPN Radio as the channel, all those videos are there. So what they're doing is they're altering the search engine where the search engine won't come up with them. Okay. Well, I was going to say, um, what was it? Uh, oh, Ron, uh, that interview that you did, it, 2020 is COVID year, right? I think that was the year it came out with COVID. Well, and I don't remember if that was the yeah, year or if it was the year before. No, that'd be 2019. It's one of it's those two. Yeah, it's gonna be 2019 because you didn't. But it was right at the end of January or right at the first week in February, and it was on a Friday because Brent was with us. So that's how I can narrow it down at least a little bit. Yeah, because I was out uh, delivering for for Amazon that day. Okay, good show. Ron's a really nice guy. And see, here's what we found out, Dan. That's kind of interesting. Is as Samuel brought us uh, Ron Gibson. I didn't. I didn't know who he was wasn't familiar with his work up to that point and so samuel was telling us about it and i said well that isn't that interesting because ron concentrates on getting you a loyal title to your land right and i concentrate on getting you free and then you can go own things because no one has a property right in you but this is another example of where there's more than one way to skin a cat evidently because in ron's approach if he gets your land free if you weren't free by default you couldn't own a loyal title in it so it's a backdoor way of getting you free by freeing up your land which is i thought was very interesting you get what i'm saying Dan. Yeah, sorry, I muted. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, see what I it's, that's why I say there's there's other ways to do this, I'm sure, that work. You know, we we've we've heard about them. But what this is is a cookie cutter way that everybody can not only do personally, individually, but they can also understand and teach others to do and it's foolproof because we've never had it fail. Yes. Okay. And the only way that we're going to really have success, unless you just want to be a remnant hanging around, if you see this for the big picture here, the way we're going to have success is with numbers. And we get enough numbers, we can bring these bastards to their knees. Okay? Because we get a whole bunch of real productive people, and you're withdrawing yourself from their authority and withdrawing yourself from their tax system. That's their teeth. It's the tax system. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, that's why they're scared to death of this. I mean, they reacted to it when I first got on RBN 11 years ago with this stuff, with their little mole from the Southern Poverty Law Center that started calling. He even went to the trouble to get a hold of John Statmiller in the office, which was almost impossible because John Statmiller blew into the office about 15 minutes before his show, did his show, and blew out. You know, so to catch him there in the office at RBN is quite a feat in itself. And this guy was calling up and everybody that he contacted. He said the same thing. That stuff Roger Sales is teaching is going to get a lot of people in trouble. And I found out who he was. And it was a guy that used a moniker called Russ from Minnesota. 
and one of my very good students, I was talking to him and telling him about this when it was going on, and he went, I said, I think he's from the Southern Poverty Law Center. And he said, well, I was in a cop station the other day and picked up one of their little mailings they send out to the cops. And I said, well, do you still have it? And he said, yeah. He went back and found it. And there at the front of the page, the editor for that publication is a guy named Russell Estes. There wasn't another Russ listed in the whole list. And I said, well, that's got to be him. And got on the air and called him out with his last name. Okay. Russell Estes from the, mm-hmm. I call him the sodomy pedophile larceny center, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so uh, what else, uh, what, uh, what other questions can we field? Or, Nicole, and if you're brand new, you're getting a drink of water out of a fire hydrant here today, okay? And I understand that. And, and so, yes, and, you, and we, you know, we have a lot of people, Nastasha and I, we have a lot of people. We have to get this information out. So, we, we've been commissioned. So, now, I, you know, once God says something, I you know, I can't turn back. Well, you can't. Once this grabs you, it'll never let go. Okay, <laughs> no. it, it'll it'll only it'll only get bigger, like you're chewing on liver the rest of your life. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like liver. Okay. Hey, Doug. Right. Hey, man. So, one thing I wanted to mention, and great show. These shows, I love all the new people because yes. with new people come new ideas. You know, but anyway. One of the things uh, with this uh, lady, I'm sorry, I apologize, I don't remember your name. Nicole. But Nicole. No problem, no problem, no problem. Nicole. Love you, Nicole. Okay. Is You've been using the term civil status, and I, I don't think that's the correct oh, I'm sorry. term but okay. to use. Po- political, what? political status. Is yeah. the is the overriding term or type of citizenship? Yeah. So that's one thing I wanted to mention, and here's the other thing. I'll be short, uh, which is not normal for me. Uh, regarding taxes. Now, if they can tax your money, can what is there a limit to that? Can't they then just say, "Well, we need so many bodies." this year to uh, uh, vote and sacrifice to Moloch or, or some... I mean, there is no limit. That, doesn't that make sense, Roger? Yeah, of course. I was going to tell Dan... Say, let me, let me yeah. interrupt for a second, Doug, if I could, because Nan had this particular question on the tax issue. And for anybody else that hasn't heard this, Nicole, this is probably too much for you guys right now, okay, being totally green. But if you'll go back to Halloween of last year, Dan, are, have you heard that talk? Did you hear it when I was on with Thumper and gave that whole history of the tax system? As a matter of fact, I did hear it. I should probably go back and listen to it again. Well, I, I had... Um, I had a Thumper send me that, and I had our, our engineer fellow, Greg, who helps us on stuff like this, wave his magic wand over it and make sure it was really fidelity-wise excellent and perfect. And then I posted it over on CastBox. Okay. Excuse me, just as a two-hour show. And I posted it on Halloween of last year. So if you go back to 1031 of 21... And that is uh, the the origin, the history, the development, and the analysis of the tax system. And it Roger, is Roger. it's a total voluntary system. They trick you 
imagine that. Yes, who was trying to get Raj? I was just Roger and you, Roger. Okay. Over and out. <laughs> just don't be a dodger. <laughs> Roger uh, a dodger. It depends on what you're trying to dodge there, Doug. <laughs> well, anyway, back to my concept here is, okay, so it's political status and these uh, laws, uh, codes, everything, they're written by the politicians. So essentially, mm -mm. what we're actually mm -mm. coming up against... Uh-uh. Pardon me? Uh-uh. Wrong. No? The regulations oh. are written by bureaucrats. They're not politicians. Okay, but the but to put it into law and everything, the politicians agree with it, right? Well, they go ahead and pass it in a very formal yeah. way, and then they turn it over yeah. to the administrative state, which has that subject matter jurisdiction, and they can do anything they want with it, and often do rewrite, promulgate is the technical word, promulgate mm -hmm. regulations that are 180 degrees from the original intent of the legislation. So these are your man-made laws. And that's, that's what they call, Nicole, this is for your edification, those are called public policy. So if you've ever heard that term policy or public policy, those are man-made laws through the administrative agency process for the serfs. Because, so because you've got a property right in you, you don't have access to law, you're guided by policy. What are you trying to say, Doug? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. But at the top of the ladder here, it's the politicians that were, you know, whatever, uh, chosen to uh, represent us that actually pass what these other lower and even false administrative etc well, agencies do well that's do all political that? no it's all political theater and james Trafficant is the one that really blew the lid on this when he said ladies and gentlemen in the house we're nothing but trustees overseeing the largest bankruptcy in the history of the planet so they're not there to represent you but you don't have any political rights. All you have in that capacity is civil rights. They give you a franchise so that you can participate and yeah. think that you're doing something, but yeah, you're not doing yeah. anything but electing tr trustees. And if they okay. pass laws and they feel like they're passing them in your benefit, all they do once they're gone through the process is turn them over to the administrative agency and they rewrite them 180 degrees in the opposite direction. So, no, none of that stuff's for you. Okay, so then what's amazing is that this is all based upon your birth when they change your identity, your uh, heavenly God-given rights to uh, being under them, and so it goes from there. Yep. Uh, it, it's a, yeah. And so, and I'll just, I'll just finish to reiterate this point. If they can tax you on your money and they su suppose it, they don't own us. Our Heavenly Father owns us. But through the system they built, if they can tax your earnings, etc., then they could just decide, well, you're not, uh, you know, we're going to do away with this law, this policy, this thing. And, oh, 
uh, yeah, you're a white guy or you're a this or that, and you're just not, you're not going to be able to eat. You're not going to be able to go to the grocery store. You're not going to be able to uh, work. Well, all that's right, except for your statement that they don't own you, that God owns you, and that's not right. They circumvent that at birth. And, you know, until you straighten it back out, that's the way it is because they've got you agreeing with it. Okay. Now, Nicole, let me address Nicole here because we're getting towards the end of the program. Uh, Nicole, here's what's going to happen. This is the good news, all right, is you've been in this uh, downward spiral of negativity with all of this servitude and all of these tricks that have been weighing on you, and it's a downward spiral, okay? Yes. Now, you once you change your status and you start inputting this information, that's the fertile ground, and from that, you've now reconnected with God's laws and the empowerment that he meant for you to have at birth that was stolen from you. Technically, what's happened is Esau, Edom has stolen their birthright back here. Okay. And now, because you've got that opposite, everything's dialectics here. And because now you're not in that downward spiral, you're in the upward spiral. And now you're going to go through a self-empowerment process. And you're going to become re-empowered eventually with the powers that God meant for you to have from birth. That's what's really the big picture. And the good news here is that. And you'll get to yes. a point where you're not scared of any man on the face of this earth. That's exactly what Jeremiah says. It says no man will be able to stand before you. And um, I mean, I've led prayer groups. I'm a worship leader. I play guitar, piano, all these things. And so, all you know, I've known thousands. Of, you know, I've known thousands of people. And just to have this information now, it's to how to relay the message. You know. Well, the first thing that we're here to help you. Okay, so and I know it can be very confusing. You're very fortunate to have friends like Nastasha and the other groups that are out there in your area. And you got a lot of support and a lot of people are looking for the answers we've got here. Okay, and it's our job. And I feel it's my duty. It's the reason I do this is out of a sense of duty. I, I, you know, you don't hear me charging people for all this stuff okay i feel like it's my duty because i've been given this knowledge and i've been given these mm -hmm. great empowerment things it's my duty to help reinforce my position and to also help you and others find it okay and what my teacher john would say up on that stage is so profound and he say the only way i can protect my liberty nicole is to help you protect yours Yes, okay. Yes. And now once you get into this arena, now that, if you will, duty is on you too. And that's the way we spread. Yes. And now we yes. become strong individuals and then we can become a strong collective. And that's what they fear. They fear this. Okay. This is one of the mm -hmm. only things on this planet these people fear is us collectively acting empowered. Well, being a watchman on the wall. Okay, a gatekeeper, etc. On the positive side, that's what we're supposed to do. Yep. We have to care. Yep. Well, you got you got you got to if you didn't care, you wouldn't be involved in this. Quite frankly, uh, Nicole, you're gonna really. I'm gonna really encourage you to listen to uh, tomorrow's show with Brent. I don't know what we'll talk about, but they, they're always exceptional shows. And Brent, with your orientation and background, uh, you're just gonna fall in love with this guy. Okay, I'm telling you. He is a national treasure, all right? And I think you'll get an awful lot out of it. And uh, 
Brent, it took us years and years and years to get him drug over the line, but we finally got him drug over the line here. And I'm pretty sure, although he's not told us, that him and his wife and some of his children have filed this paperwork too. It only took us about seven years to get him <laughs> to that point. <laughs> Does it really take that long? Well, it depends. No, don't, no, Brent's just exceptionally stubborn. Oh. <laughs> okay. You know, I'd say, Brent, you got to learn how they think, okay? I don't want to think like them. I said, you don't have to think like them, but you got to know how they think. Okay. okay. How long it takes is a function it's of like the training thickness a of dog. your skull. There's a good, there, yeah, or your stubbornness. Who was it that said that? Dan. <laughs> hey, Dan, good comment. Okay, well, listen, there's our whistler, and that means that we're about finished for the day, but it's two really good shows this week back-to-back, the Wednesday and the Thursday edition. Nicole, I'm going to suggest you go listen to yesterday's, okay, with Pastor Eli, and I think you'll even get some more uh, good understanding out of that. And uh, we'll look for you not only tomorrow, but hopefully on a regular basis. And as questions come up and you can't get an answer, you can always come to us. I can't promise you we'll always have the answer, but I think we do most of the time, okay? Yes, yes. And uh, Mr. Jim Ram is next, and I imagine he's sitting right there fumbling around for the mute button because I usually about this point say, uh, Jimbo, are you there? And he answers back, yeah, I just got the mute open. Sorry about that. have my speakers on. (laughs) (laughs) So there he is, and we're going to dart out of here as soon as we get kicked off the server in a second. And we'll be back tomorrow on February the 4th with uh, Brent Winters, and which is always a really, really, it's usually the most popular show of the week. And uh, so we'll see. Sometimes we cover different stuff. Sometimes I just, yeah, oh yeah, I'll be on with Brent on Fridays. Okay. So, uh, and usually I just turn over the show to him and he kind of uses it to connect us to the spiritual part of this battle because that's where it all comes from. And that's what we're dealing with here. So, uh, but other times we get into different Mm -hmm. discussions. So it just matters. You know, nothing's really formatted or planned here. Everything's spontaneous for a reason. So we just got yes. kicked 